My name is Zach Price, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Winter term at the University of Oregon came with a ton of changes to things like tuition, education requirements, and the physical shape of the university. Hear about the biggest stories of this term on the Daily Emerald end of the term news wrap up. My name is Alec Cowan, and I am a podcast editor with The Daily Emerald. My name is Will Campbell. I am the senior news editor for The Emerald. My name is Michael Tobin. I'm the senior news reporter for The Emerald. So for our first story, which you reported, Michael, Senator Wyden came to campus to speak with the university about some issues with Title IX earlier in the year. Yeah, that's right, Alec. So in November, there was an exchange of letters between the university and U.S. Senator Ron Wyden, and it was prompted by concern from Wyden and alumnus over the handling of the Cavell Bigby Williams case. And you can find a total wrap-up of the Bigby Williams case in our previous news term wrap-up. So what happened in the meeting? Yeah, so we don't really know. At the time, the Emerald reached out to Senator Wyden's office, Brenda Tracy, who was also present at the meeting, and the University of Oregon for comment, but did not receive any immediate response. But Shill did send out a statement afterward. Yeah, Shill released a statement on Around the O, and he said that there were some tough questions, but that it was ultimately a productive conversation. And then we did hear back eventually from Brenda Tracy after the initial story. We did hear back from Brenda Tracy later on, and her comments were that um, the meeting was not as productive as she initially hoped it would be. And in her response, she said, quote, They're standing firm that they did nothing wrong. I left there feeling like this could happen again and probably will. End quote. I mean, it's been an interesting story, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to play out over next term. I feel like whenever this story kind of um, dips away for a little bit, it always comes back, and it seems to amplify in magnitude each time. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over spring term. Now, moving on to our next story, which is perhaps the biggest of the term, students noticed that the EMU looked a little different when they returned from break. That's because Red Wagon Creamery, which was located in the space next to Townsend's Tea, was no longer there. Jack Pitcher reported this story in February. So, Will, can you walk us through a little bit of the history with Red Wagon and just what led to its closure? Yeah, so Red Wagon is a ice cream shop, and they started as a food cart, but they eventually opened up a shop downtown, and then they were able to get into the EMU. And they were featured on a lot of national food review programs, and it kind of it, you know, it, it grew pretty quickly. So that was in 2011 when they started as a food cart. So in 2016, they added a factory and they started selling to uh, supermarkets around the area. And then they came to the University of Oregon. Um, so it's been pretty successful in the last seven years. Um, they had this pretty good ice cream with honey in it. But that was not to last. And why not? Well... So the Emerald conducted an investigation, um, and we, we found out that Red Wagon was being sued by its creditors. Um, its employees complained about unpaid wages. The owners owed back taxes. And here's the biggest thing about Red Wagon is that the multiple women who used to work for the Red Wagon, they accused the owner, Stuart Phillips, of sexual harassment. And so let's break down some of these kind of bigger themes according to what the Emerald was able to report. So to start, um, the location in the EMU closed down after it wasn't able to meet the financial obligations of its contract. And that's according to a U of O spokesperson. Um, so the Emerald, we, we talked to Mackenzie Miller, who worked at Red Wagon since 2015. And she said that the owner, Phillips, had been, had made lewd comments. And Miller said that this was pretty common. Yeah, so Miller said that 
customers in both locations came to her complained about Phillips and uh, Phillips made them pretty uncomfortable with his comments. And she, she said that it happened about 10 times over the past couple of years. And so what was actually done about this behavior? Did anyone actually file any complaints or anything? Um, Eileen Joe was the former manager of the EMU location. And she sent a complaint about Phillips in 2016. Um, after some of the comments he said while they were taking photographs for the Instagram page. And she was 19 at that time. Um, if you want, if you want to go look at those comments, um, then go to the Emerald to read the full story. And so what eventually came of the complaint? So the complaint went to Emily Phillips, who was Stuart Phillips wife, and they're both considered the owners. Um, Stuart's the director of sales and marketing and Emily's the managing director and the board chair. So the complaint went to Stuart Phillips's wife and she wrote back to Joe saying that he's been counseled about his behavior and she apologized. And she said that he watched a training video about sexual harassment in the workplace. She also promised that he would no longer be in the workplace when she was, but a few months later he showed back up. And Phillips initially denied knowledge of sexual harassment complaints. Yeah, he said that he remembered a complaint being filed against him, and he was cautioned to watch his remarks. Um, He said he didn't remember making any inappropriate comments to any other employees besides Joe. And Tobin Klinger, the UO spokesman, did note that a Title IX complaint involving Red Wagon had been filed with the school in January, but they received the report after they had made the decision to end the lease with Red Wagon and that accusations did not actually play any role in the university's decision to end that lease. And then on top of that, there were some financial struggles, Michael. Yeah, there were. So each of the workers that the Emerald interviewed for the story had difficulties when it came to getting paid. Joe said that over the two years she'd worked at Red Wagon, at least half of her paychecks ended up being late. Um, for an insufficient amount or were actually bounced at the bank. And eventually she stopped receiving paychecks at all. She did. Joe quit Red Wagon in April 2017, and for Miller, who actually stuck it out, there started being some bigger issues. And by fall 2017, most workers were paid with cash just straight out of the register. And this is often a partial amount with uh, taxes deducted. But there weren't actually any pay stubs provided. When Miller received a W-2 for her taxes, her name was spelled wrong, her address was incorrect, and her phone number was in the social security number box. Overall, three wage and hour complaints have been filed against Red Wagon with the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries. But Red Wagon seemed to be relatively successful, right? Yeah, they have been quite successful. When they were raising money for their expansion in January 2015, they sold shares of the company through the Hatch Oregon Public Offering Program and were able to get 173 investors helping to meet its goal of $120,000. But there's more to that than just their success. Right. Uh, Red Wagon was struggling to pay bills before its public offering, and that's according to public records. Uh, Tax liens filed by the IRS indicate that Red Wagon owes more than $32,000 in taxes dating back to 2014. And it's not only the liens. In December 2017, Community Lending Works, which is an Oregon nonprofit that arranges loans for small businesses um, and other artisans and crafters, ended up suing Red Wagon and Emily Phillips in an attempt to recover the more than $34,000 in loan payments that Red Wagon was late on. A judgment placed on Red Wagon for the principal plus um, attorney fees, which allowed Community Lending Works to come after Red Wagon and its owner's assets. 
And according to Stuart Phillips at the time of the article, Redwagon was not planning to file for bankruptcy anytime soon. You can read Jack Petcher's full story for this at dailyemerald.com. And so for our next story, um, it's about journalism professor Tom Wheeler, who passed away in early February. He was visiting his family in the Bay Area at the time. He had been a professor in the School of Journalism and Communication for about 25 years and was a beloved figure here in the Oregon community. Sarah Rosa Davies wrote and reported for this story. So Tom Wheeler taught a variety of classes in the School of Journalism. Um, he, he taught feature writing, editing, grammar, but he started his career in journalism covering music for various magazines. He freelanced for Rolling Stone and he served as the editor-in-chief for Guitar Player Magazine. And then he founded Bass Player Magazine in 1988. Guitar history and their significance was the theme for several of his books, which actually became very popular. Um, I, I attended his memorial, and I heard a lot of stories about how masterful this guy was with uh, the history of, of guitars, and it was pretty amazing to hear some of the stories about how his family would travel to different parts of the country, and they'd find his books on different shelves, and, and they'd announce that he was... Uh, related to them, and they'd they'd say, "Oh my God, you're related to Tom Wheeler. That's amazing. He's this guy's a master." Um, but for the story that the Emerald wrote, uh, we reached out to the community via email and social media to see what Tom Wheeler's impact was. And a lot of the responses mention his passion, and and a lot of the responses mention his passion for the craft and his enthusiasm for new practitioners. We won't read all of them here. But the story is written by Sarah Rosa Davies, and go check it out at dailyemerald.com. And the dean of the SOJC, Juan Carlos Moyeda, said that Wheeler was one of the first faculty members to introduce himself when Moyeda arrived in 2016. And for the story, he said that, quote, he was always present. And now to transition, I just want to try and cover some quick headlines as we go throughout the year. And so we have some quick wrap-ups. The Phil and Penny Knight Campus for Accelerating Scientific Impact officially broke ground on March 2nd and is scheduled to open in 2020. Phil and Penny Knight originally donated $500 million to the estimated $1 billion project in October 2016. So on February 15th, uh, the Eugene City Council officially started the process that would allow for the return of ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft. And that means moving forward on the process of amending local regulations and ordinances, which originally had halted Uber's operations. The multicultural requirement was updated for the first time since 1994. And this change comes two and a half years after the Black Student Task Force presented a list of demands of the university, one of which was to update the multicultural requirement. The proposed changes to the requirement will discard the identity, pluralism, and tolerance category from the general education multicultural requirements, leaving American cultures and international cultures as the two required categories. The University of Oregon Board of Trustees voted to increase tuition again, including and included a new differential tuition for the Lundquist College of Business. They also reduced the differential tuition for the Clark's Honors College. And these includes these include a and these include an increase of six dollars per credit hour for in-state students and eighteen dollars per credit hour for out-of-state students. And some news within the Emerald itself: Zach Price was officially named the new editor-in-chief of the Emerald for next year. There were many protests across campuses over the term. 
Um, some of them included a women's march, a gun violence walkout, a sexual assault walkout at South Eugene High School, two protests over prison labor, and a die-in from the Climate Justice League. And there have been a confirmed eight armed robberies in the Eugene-Springfield area in the past two weeks. So stay safe out there, everybody. You can read more about all these stories at dailyemerald.com. That's all we have for today, folks. My name is Alec Cowan. Oh, Will, that's not true. That's not true. (laughs) This is the last podcast for senior news editor, Mr. Will Campbell, who is graduating and moving to a fantastic internship in Spokane, Washington. So would you care to share a few words with us? So the sun sets on another student's diploma. William Campbell. He's off. Spokane with a backpack and a pen and a piece of paper and he has a message for all you folks out there he wants to say keep at it don't let the soup get cold Goodbye. Truly some inspiring words. Thank you, Will. My name is Michael Tobin. I'm the senior news reporter for The Emerald. My name is Will Campbell. I'm the senior news editor for The Emerald. And I'm actually Alec Cowan, podcast editor. And you can subscribe to The Emerald Podcast Network on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can stream them directly at dailyemerald.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.